Amen. Anybody watch the Right to Life March this uh, during the week? Wasn't that fantastic? Mm. Mm. Amazing, amazing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for your word. Uh, pray, God, that uh, Lord, just, uh, Lord, just remove from me anything that shouldn't be there. Lord, I want to be able to not have anything stand between me and you that would be impure in my heart. Lord, that you would use us this morning for your glory. Holy Spirit, speak. Uh, Lord, through me this morning, speak through uh, your word this morning, Jesus. Touch our hearts this morning, and uh, Father, we just give you praise and give you glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, for those that are here. We thank you, Lord, for our guests that are here. It's our prayer, God, that, uh, Lord, that they would just uh, experience you, Jesus, above everything. Father, we thank you. Uh, save somebody this morning. Save everybody this morning, Lord. Lord, not let one person walk out of here that never has trusted you as Savior, that they would trust you as Savior this morning before they leave. And Father, we give you praise and great glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name and all God's people said what? Amen. 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 So can you uh, pull me down just a little bit up here or something? So it's pretty loud up here anyway. Everybody doing good? Oh, i got to turn my phone down. How's that? Very good. All right. So <clears throat> I want to ask you all a question this morning. How many of you ever dealt with conflict? <laughs> Man, I should see like double hands going up all over the room, right? It should be here. Conflict, right? There is conflict, right? Within yourself. You ever have conflict within yourself or with your spouse or a friend or somebody at work or somebody at church of all places where there should not be conflict and sometimes there's conflict. Yes, listen, we all have conflicts. Listen, as humans, even among friendship, marriages, family, all of us, right? All of us experience conflict. So once again this week, we're going to go into Acts chapter 15. We talked at great lengths about salvation last week because that is the question in this chapter. But also there's some other very helpful things this morning. God has given us an outline in Acts chapter 15 on how to deal with conflict. And it's kind of interesting as we go into it. So it's going to be more of a teaching. So I know you all have your notes. You fill in the blanks, right? So get out all your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever it takes, you know, write her down, right? That's what you want to do is write her down, and we'll do that this morning. So with that, I want you to turn to Acts 15. Our, our lives can certainly be managed better if we could follow this chapter's example. And, uh, and that's what I want to help you do this morning, kind of discern this morning. Uh, how do you deal with conflict? How do we deal with conflict? And so uh, we're going to look at that for your life, uh, for your wife's life, for for everything, for, and then mainly for your life. How are you going to deal with that conflict this morning? So as we go into it, I want you just to draw, I always say this, right? draw a circle around yourself, all right? Because, you know, I want to make sure you understand God is speaking directly to you, right? God speaks to you. Not Pastor Phil, but God speaks to you. Because that's, that's what I've been praying for all week, that God would just speak to my heart and speak to you. Because this message is as much for me as it is for you and uh, and I want you to understand that and it's very good and it's something that we need to take home and probably meditate on and pray over 
and just see what God does uh, through um, the message this morning of his word. Acts 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are what? Circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses. It says, and underline this, you cannot be saved. And we talked about great deals, you know. Here we are at Antioch. We're at Antioch. Listen, where Christianity kind of begins up there, you know. And then this is where, listen, this is where we first took on the label Christian. Christian, which means what? Little Christ. So all of us are little Christ, okay? That's where it comes. So now these guys are saying you cannot be saved unless what? Unless you are circumcised. You are keeping the law. And this is what they're saying. So my question is, how many of you have ever, how many of you ever fight over stupid things? <laughs> right, right. And, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a time in my past, uh, uh, not too far past, well, it actually has been because she's like 13 now, and she was, what, three back then or whatever. But I remember time, this is your pastor now, I was in my garage, I'm trying to fix something. And I could not find my tool. I needed a tool, and I didn't have one. I didn't have one specifically for this. It wasn't a big deal tool or nothing like that. It was just I needed a specific tool. And I have a lot of tools, but all my tools are hand-me-down tools. I got them from my stepdad and different places, right? And so I'm going through this garage, and my garage is full of tools and full of stuff and full of junk. And I'm like, I can't find what I'm on. And I'm aggravated inside myself. I'm aggravated at myself. And so I'm walking around like, oh, man, I just, this place, all I got is junk. I got junk, junk, junk. That's all I got. Hand me down, junk is all I got. I mean, this is like, my house is nothing but Sanford and Son, right? So I was sitting there, and, and Deneen and my granddaughter were standing out on the stairs coming out into the garage, you know, as they heard me out there ranting and raving. I'm fuming, I'm ranting and raving. I got all this stuff, junk, junk, junk. That's all I got is junk. All, everything I have in my life is junk. It's just junk. I, I'm just, I'm just, I am. I'm like a salvage yard. That's what I am. I'm just a salvage yard, you know. Everything I've ever got, I've never got nothing new. It's just all junk, right? And then my little granddaughter looks up at her Grammy and says, Grammy, am I junk too? <laughs> Yes, right? No, no, she was not junk. And I was like, oh, boy, that so pierced my heart. Oh, that just broke my heart. I'm like, uh, I got to be more specific. <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But no, but, but it's true. So you ever, you ever have battles like that inside yourself, you know? And then, then, then there's other things. Sometimes, 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 listen, sometimes like Denny and I, we've even, you know, we've had one or two fights. And then y'all laugh, right? No, yeah, that's true. We have more, more than two. I'd say more than two. But, you know, I, I remember a time, too, back up. Uh, we were very young at Charleston Air Force Base, and uh, my mother was coming for a visit. Y'all know where I'm going, right? <laughs> my mom's coming for a visit, and so Sister Denise cleaning up the, the, tr at the trailer. We lived in a trailer at the time. And she's cleaning up the trailer and getting it all ready and all this kind of stuff. And you know what I'm doing? I'm going behind her cleaning up stuff, too. Yeah, I know, that's a no-no. <laughs> so I'm going behind, and then, and then she got a little aggravated with the fact I'm going behind her. I'm cleaning behind her, you know. And like, what are you doing? And so she got on my case about that. And I was like, whoa, you know. I'm like, I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help. I really am. I'm trying to help. I'm really trying to help. And so, but, but you don't have to go behind me. So she felt kind of a little defensive about that, you know, which I can understand that. 
But see, but I was in the military, so I flew on big airplanes, and, and we always had these two men concepts. So, you know, you check it, and then let your guy double check it, and then you make sure it's good. And so that's what I am really thinking. That's what I'm really thinking. I tried to explain that to her, but it didn't fly over too well. So it, it just, so anyhow, but so it kind of, know. so it happens. And so, you know, and we get aggravated, and we scream and yell, and we get entrenched in conflict. It happens. We have conflict like, like uh, which way does the toilet paper go on the toilet roll? So how many do it over the top? Over the top. Let me see your hands. How many do it underneath? 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 Say, that's right. No way. Over the top. Man, see, I knew this was my church right here. I knew. I knew. Just the way you put your toilet paper on your roll, right? So, you know, and so sometimes, but you know what? I mean, so... So there's times I used to come visit my mom and my sister, and my mom was kind of like OCD like this, you know. And So I'd go in there, and my sister was too, and I'd go in the bathroom and use it, and they had their toilet paper the wrong way. <laughs> right? So I would turn it the right way, and I'd stick it on there, right? And then I'd, I'd go out, and I'd come back in 15 minutes later, and it was already turned around. <laughs> and so I was like, but you been there? Y'all ever do that? I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, man, you know, we all need to talk to our therapist about that, right? <laughs> so we didn't do that. So we've got problems. So, but think about that. Sometimes it's stupid stuff. We get in fights over stupid stuff. We all fight about stupid things. Not even a good fight. You know, these things are not even good fights, you know? And so when we think about it, so we all fight about stupid things. But it's a big deal, listen, to fight over who is saved. It's a huge deal to fight over who is saved. And I want us to think about that this morning as we go into this. Um, for the Jews, unless one was circumcised by the law of Moses, this is what they were saying. They weren't saved. They weren't saved. So my big question today is, are you saved? Are you saved? Yes. We discussed, listen, a great deal of it last week when we talked about salvation and, uh, and if you didn't get a chance to pick it up, you can go to thehillscampus.com and you can hear the audio of it from last week and all that good stuff. It's on there. It's, uh, it was just very good to me. It spoke to my heart, too. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? That's a big question. In heaven with Jesus or in hell apart from Jesus? That's a, that's, a, that's, a huge, that's a huge, huge question. So this is a question, even back then, that was worth fighting about. This was a question worth fighting about. It really was. Why? Because what's at stake here, listen, it's not how you roll your toilet paper. It's not as, you know, at stake how you like your steak cooked. You know, it's, that's not at stake. What's at stake is what? Eternity. Eternal life. One, and even more so, even more than eternity. Yeah, eternity is a good byproduct, but the fact is to have your relationship restored to a holy God where you become one, that's it. The object of our faith and everything that we do should be that the oneness with a holy God. And we need to always go back to that. It's not because this says so or that so. It's because God is holy. And he desires a loving relationship, lasting relationship with you. He wants to come. Listen, he went out of his way to do it. He left heaven. He came to earth. He hung on a cross to pay for your sin and my sin debt so that we could have a real, intimate relationship with Jesus, with him, with God. 
And so, it's, so this, is, this is a vital question, and it's worth fighting over. In fact, the future of the church kind of hangs in the balance here of this. One question is one simple little question. So we need to look at it. Look at verse 2. It says, but after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, conflict, right? See the conflict? It says, the church arranged. In the, in the New International Version, it says, and finally, once the argument was over, and finally, it says this. It says, for Paul and Barnabas and some others of them were to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem concerning this controversy. So did it get resolved in Antioch? No. So they had to go to, up to Jerusalem, 200 miles away, to resolve this conflict. To, to, let's ask, them, let's ask the, the men, the godly men, the apostles, what's going on, how to resolve this conflict. Because it's a huge conflict. And so Paul and Barnabas were, listen, they were arguing about this. They were ticked. They were upset. They were upset about this whole deal, right? And so why? Because these Jewish supposed believers were adding something to be saved. Church, listen, you are saved by what? What are you saved by? Grace through what? Through faith, right? That's exactly right. Not of your works, not of yourself, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8. It's, just, it's very plain. It's very simple for us to understand. Jesus didn't give it to us complicated. He made it so simple even a little child can understand what it takes to know Jesus as Savior. And we need to understand that. Remember last week, Jesus paid for what? All of our sin. He paid it all, period. There's nothing else to add to Jesus to be saved. Nothing to add to it. And then in verse 3 says, When they had been sent on their way by the church, it says they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, explaining in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they created great joy among all their brothers. So obviously as they're traveling, they're going in and they're sharing the gospel message, which is what, church? The death, the burial, and what? The resurrection of Jesus. That's the hope for all of mankind, and we just have to understand that and get that in our spirit. Trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, so here they are, and these people are rejoicing in their salvation. These are Gentiles. These are not Jews. These are Gentiles who, who are far from God, far, far from God in pagan practices and all kinds of things, and the Holy Spirit's falling on them, and they're getting saved, and it's an amazing thing that's taking place. It says, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders. And they reported, listen to this, all that who did? God had done. That's so important. All that God had done. Not what Paul did or Barnabas, but all that God had done through Paul and Barnabas. But some of the believers from the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, and these were believers, it says here. And all, some of the believers from the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Then the apostles and the elders assembled to consider this matter. So they came together in a, in a huge meeting, because this is the most important question that could be dealt with. Paul and Barnabas are sent up to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and, a Jewish, and Jewish elders to deal with this problem, with this issue. They can't, listen, I cannot stress enough how critical this situation is and this meeting was. It was a super critical, critical, critical meeting. Very ugly event, right? It was really bad. Who's in or who's not in? That's, this is what it's about. 
Who's in, in, in Jesus? Who's not in Jesus? How, how do you get there? What happens? All that stuff, it's all in there. And so it happens. Listen, and this is the thing. Is Satan is literally, he's trying to rip the church apart. Do you see it? The underlying, the undertones? Satan is literally trying to get in there and rip the church apart. And listen, he does that even today. He'll do that right in here. He tries to rip it apart. He tries to rip it. Think about it. In the church, there can be conflict of how we worship. Think about it. The songs that we sing, how we dress, theological issues, there's sometimes conflict on that. What we believe to how we operate, and it goes on and on and on. There's all kinds of conflicts that kick up in a church. Constantly, and this is why, the enemy wins when he rips us apart. And some of you, you've been part of that. Some of you have been ripped apart and don't even realize it came from Satan. Sometimes we try to live by preferences rather than by the Word or by the spirits prodding in your life. We've got to get off this preference kick. It's not about preferences of what I want because when it's about what I want, it's not about what God wants. And we need to think about that seriously. The church is not great at handling conflict. And we can all learn from these apostles right here. It's pretty amazing. So the question is, so how do we overcome conflict? How to get through it and survive? How do we get through conflict? You're going to have to deal with conflict. All of us have to deal with it in some form or fashion in our life, right? So number one, get ready to write it down. We must expect it. We must expect conflict. Listen, that's probably out of all these seven I'm going to be naming. This one, number one, is number one for me. To me is anywhere I go, listen, I go with an expectation that there's going to be conflict. Because where do I live? I live in the world. I live in the world system. And I live where the devil influences people every day, even Christian people. I don't care if it's a staff member at a church or even a pastor. We all deal with conflict. We all fight through the conflict in our life. And it doesn't feel good, does it? But we need to expect it. And if we will learn to expect it every morning, we get Listen, this is why before I get out of bed, I put piece by piece on the whole armor of God. Because I want this awareness to come in my life that's going to go, hey, I got my armor on, I got my armor plating, my helmet on, protect my mind, my breastplate on, protect my emotions and my heart, because that's where it comes from. I got my belt of truth to discern what's good and what's bad. I got my gospel shoes on. Listen, remembering that God saved me by his blood. And raise me up, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of God, and no one can ever take that away from me. And he gives me a shield of faith to hide behind. No, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's right there, and I can hide behind my precious Jesus. And he takes care of me every time. And then I take the sword of the Lord, which is what? The word of God. And the word of God keeps me on my path, keeps me where I, it keeps me focused on where I need to be with Jesus. And so we have to do this every day. We live in a wicked world, and, no, and, and Satan isn't stopping. His demons aren't stopping, and the people that are unbelievers are not stopping either. They're being controlled by the demon, and they don't even know it because their eyes are blind. They can't even see the truth. We see demonstrations of that in our society every single day, no matter where we go. And, you know, it's just, it's just a sad thing. So how do we overcome it? We expect it. I've learned over time that, listen, we need jerk. How many of you need jerk? When we don't expect it, that's what we do. We need jerk, and we go in there. It's like, it's like newlyweds who just got married. They spend a year in their marriage, then all of a sudden they had this big knockdown, drag-out fight, and what do they do today? By today's standard, what, what happens today? If 
I said, I must, I'm, I guess I wasn't supposed to be married to this person. And it's a shame. That's not the way it is. I'm telling you, we must go into marriage expecting conflict. No matter what you do, you go into it expecting that there is going to be something that's going to get you off track. Listen, I'm telling you, we must learn how to deal with it. God's way. And this is key. Denise and I, listen, we've been married 41 years of marriage. And believe me, we have dealt with conflict between the two of us. We do, and we still do sometimes. When I'm trying to find things and I can't find them. <laughs> it takes me back to Sanford and says, what am I doing? You know, got to find it. Yep. So anyway, what we think about it. We are together because, listen, our marriage was a covenant to God and not a contract to man. There's a huge difference. There's enormous, it's everything. We got married as a covenant to a holy God. Can God's covenants be broken? No way. But man's contracts are broken every day because they're from man, not from God. So it's something for us to think about that. Take that in our spirit. Take it in. Listen, when we do it in front of God, listen, it's a covenant. People come to church thinking they're going to go worship a bunch of perfect people sometimes. We come in here thinking it's going to be like, it's going to be like going to Disney World. Everybody's so nice and friendly, and everybody is so good. It's just fun. We're going to have a great time, this and that. But you know what? I've seen people fight at Disney. <laughs> have you ever seen it before? Get over here, Johnny. Get over. What are you doing over here? And throw them around, you know. I've seen that. People get upset at Disney, even Disney. We live in an imperfect world. We say, come to my church. Everyone is going to be friendly. So that's why I make y'all get up and go around and shake each other's hands. <laughs> and listen, I got to say this, though, but you guys are very good at it. Even if I didn't do that, you guys are very good at talking about it. But there are some of you that might not even say a word to nobody else, unless I did that. So... We got to expect conflict. We expect it. We expect it. Some of you come to church and you'd be sitting there saying, It's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Shh, quit your crying over. Quit your crying over here. I'm trying to pay attention to the sermon. You ever do that? Listen, think about it. Conflict. Conflict does come. I mean, listen, it's people. The church is filled with different kinds of people, and we're all different, including me. I'm sure there's things this pastor does you don't like. Like use southern slang, some of you. Yeah, I'm going to get you a southern slang book, y'all. All right, we'll do that. So you're going to have conflict in your marriage. Listen, you're going to have conflict in church. Listen, you're going to have conflict with your brothers and sisters. Why do you think your mom and dad have brothers and sisters? So y'all can beat the snot out of each other. That's why. That's why. Conflict. It's part of the reality of life in a sin-sick world. It's conflict, conflict, conflict. You're going to have it in your small groups. You have conflict in your small groups. You have people who don't talk at all. They're like a statue. And then you got people going to talk all the time. They're like talking all the time. They don't ever shut up. They just keep on talking, 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 right? You're going to have that. It's going to happen, right? And somebody comes up and says, no one talks too much in my group. That's because you're the one that's guilty. It's you, it's you that's talking too much. And that's what happens. 
You're talking too much. You have to expect conflict. It's going to happen. People quit jobs over conflict. Think about that. They get in an old conflict and says, I'm not making a million dollars for that guy. I quit. I'm leaving. Or professional athletes. For example, you know, they'll say, I don't have to take this. And they're making millions of dollars. I don't have to take this. I will. <laughs> right? I will. I'll take it. Think about that for a minute. I don't have to take this. Marriage is the same thing. A little conflict, you get a divorce. But Antioch saw this conflict wasn't going away. Therefore, arrangements were made for Paul and Barnabas to do what? To go to Jerusalem and deal with this conflict, to resolve it. Sometimes we don't deal with it, hoping it all goes away. And sometimes it does go away. Or sometimes it comes back again years later. We need to deal with our conflict. Usually what happens in that scope is that problems get bigger and bigger and bigger or conflicts add up on top of each other. And what happens is then it can be resolved. But listen, not before major damage occurs. Major damage. Sometimes as pastors, we wish that couples would come to us six months before there's a conflict. So we can just, you know, <laughs> prepare your hearts for it. It's coming. <laughs> It's coming. Or sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes they'll say, you know, they'll have, they come to your, uh, marriage couples come to my meeting and they'll say, you know, hey, listen, we just had a bomb go off at our home. Can you fix it, Pastor? No, I can't fix it. <laughs> no. <laughs> then you get mad at God, ask him, why has he detonated this bomb? And they blame it on God. And all, all the while, they never prepared correctly before they got married. Amazing. We have conflicts with our friendships on Facebook. We have conflicts with Instagram. We have conflicts everywhere. And we, and we let people get to us. And we got to let God get to us. We need to make sure to do that. Acts 15, 2, man, he says, listen, you have to deal with it. And that's what they did. They went to Jerusalem to deal with this conflict. Paul and Barnabas. So, let's go to number three. Y'all get number two? We must learn to deal with it. I'm sorry. I skipped one. We must learn to deal. That's what I was talking about. We need to deal with it. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 says, In fact, when we came to Macedonia, we had to rest. Paul said this. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside and fears on the inside. They had all kinds of conflict. No rest for the Apostle Paul. And we must go through this Christian walk expecting conflict, but we must learn to deal with it. My family might say, that's not how I deal with it. I harbor conflict, and then what happens? They die at 40 years old of a heart attack. Think about conflict. You, gotta, you, know, you have to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. If you don't deal with a sickness, so we put Band-Aids on it and we press on. We don't deal with stuff in the church. We get upset in the church and we leave and we go somewhere else we have to deal with it we don't deal with it. the lord's calling me to leave the hills campus because i'm just not satisfied i'm upset i'm unhappy something happened and i don't deal with it look at number three have to learn to control your anger you must learn to control your anger Yes, 
Some of you say, well, pastor, that's a lame point. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, right? So most of us don't deal with conflict unless we're what? Angry. We have to deal. We have to learn to control our anger. Anger. Anger is not good. I have learned that I need to love people enough to love them in the conflict and not in anger. Let me say that again. It says, I have learned that I need to love people enough to love them in the conflict and not in anger. The flesh is accustomed to knee-jerk reactions. Think about it. With anger. And you know that anger never solves anything ever. I'm really, and it doesn't really make you feel better. Oh, I just blew that steam off. Now I feel better. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't feel better and it eats at you. If you're any kind of a Christian, it's going to really, really eat at you. It's going to eat at you. We must learn to love people in spite of our anger. Because listen, when you love, love begets love. It does every time. In fact, we're going to see this in Paul and Barnabas, Acts 15 and 39. It says this, it says, There was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas to Mark, uh, took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Remember, John Mark left him. Remember when they went the first journey? He left and went back to his mama, whatever he went back to. While Paul and Barnabas pressed on, but now... Barnabas says, hey, I want John Mark to join us. And then Paul and Barnabas got into it. And guess what they did? They didn't resolve the conflict. Well, they did. It was, they split up, and they went different directions. Paul and Barnabas, they were the dynamic duo. Their tempers flared, and they ended up going their separate ways. God made, made them split, they split up. It's so sad that it happens. Paul and Barnabas split up because of their egos. And go their separate ways. This is why, listen, this is why as Baptists, there's like 271 Baptist denominations in our country. You know why? Because people get ticked off and they still start new churches and new, new denominations. Because they can't get along. They think that's going to solve everything. Somebody got ticked off, started another church. This is what happens when tempers flare out of control. And I'm reminded what James says. James the wise, or James the judge, James 1, verse 19. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to what? Anger. And listen to what it says in verse 20. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness ever. Listen. Never does it accomplish God's righteousness. Ephesians 4, 26. Look at this. Be angry and do not what? Sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity because that's what happens when you don't deal with your anger and get under control. So is it a sin to be angry? No, it's not. But listen, it, however, it is a sin to allow anger to control you. You can't let anger control you. That's a sin. Not a sin to be angry, but to give into anger's control. Don't give into anger's control. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Why? Because it gives a foothold for the devil to disrupt, destroy, to wreck a life. Anger is real, and it will destroy your life, your marriage, your family, your friendship. And if you let it, it will send you straight to hell. Why? Because that's where it wants you to go. Because it comes from where? It comes from the evil one. Do not give anger control of your life ever. 
Number four, listen to the other side. Listen to the other side. I don't mean listen to tear down, but listen to what they are saying. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Then the whole assembly fell silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describing all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. It says there was a holy hush in the crowd. Everybody got silent. Everybody shut up for a minute to listen to these guys. Everyone listened quietly. It doesn't mean you agree. But we must listen. We must learn to listen. When Sister Denise and I get angry, we stop listening, and that's no good. <laughs> I know. So, so if we do that, I know you guys do that too. Unless you're just so spiritual. Now, I'm not saying, now it used to be, it used to be I would get mad, and I would harbor that, and I'd walk off with that, and I'd do the silent treatment. You know what she used to do when I did the silent treatment? She would get in a doorway and keep me from going through it <laughs> to get me to talk to her. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> but it was good. I look back and I think how precious that was. She understood to resolve the conflict. She needed, we, needed to, we needed to get it out and talk, talk it out. And we did. So I say, I'm probably mostly at fault for all that. So as I hang my head, shame, <laughs> shame, shame. God knows my name, right? So he does, he does, he knows my name. So we should not, we should listen to the other side. We don't listen well in our culture, do we? We don't. Because of that, people are rioting, turning to violence, road rage. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Things happen when we don't listen. It happens in churches, marriages, friendship, relationships, families. We must learn to listen. Why? Because you already know how you feel. You don't necessarily know how they feel. Truly. We perceive we know how they feel. This is why I hate, I hate the Facebook aspect of it or texting aspect. You know, our younger generation, they're real quick to text you. Uh, when something is wrong and they tell you and they just blow up on just how you feel or maybe they're trying to just talk to you but you can't see them eyeball to eyeball all you can do is read and you try to perceive how they're feeling through the text and that's wrong we can't perceive a lot of times the correct motive behind their text this is why our younger generation has a hard time with face-to-face they have a hard time with eyeball to eyeball everything's done online now even filling out for jobs but you still got to go in and have an interview of some sort. Man, so if you have conflict with somebody, don't you be the one that's shouting on a text message, putting capital letters on there. <laughs> don't ever do that. Don't ever do that because that's just yelling. That's just flat-out screaming. All right? <laughs> that's funny. I love it. God always gives me a message, man, you know. It's amazing how the Lord gives me a message. He gives me a lot of illustrations, too. So, and I love every one of them. I love everybody. Listen, we must learn to listen. Listen, you don't know how other personal people feel. So conflict, we must expect it, right? We expect it, then we do what next? We deal with it, right? We deal with it, okay? And then what's next? Control our anger, right? We got to control our anger, and what's the fourth one? Listen to the other side. 
Listen to the other side. Not critical listening, but listen to see how they really feel. Be sensitive to what they have to say. Because you know what? It might change your perception of why you're even upset. It happens. Number five. You have to invite wise counsel. Invite wise counsel. Listen, women talk good to each other. They do. They do. They do. Men, not so much. No, men, no, no, no. I can tell you, I can sit in a car, drive my truck with my wife over there and not say a blooming thing. Especially when I'm upset. And sometimes us men, we just have this area we go and we can just, we just shut it off. But it's different for the lady folk. The lady folks are a little bit different, you know. Men can just sit in nothingville. That's what I say. I call it. We sit in nothingville. There's like nothing there. Nothing. I'm just vegging out. I mean, I'm in a space. There's nothing in that room. It's just, it's just me, myself, and I, and whatever space I'm in. So it's there. But guys, you need wise counsel as well, speaking into you. This is why we have momentum this Saturday. Take time out for God. Take time out for each other. Men, take time out for one another. Come together. I love what the women are doing. Denise said last week she started the new uh, whole armor of God Bible study. Women, I encourage you to be part of that. She had like 26 women part of that. That's, I applaud you ladies. You men, let's go meet out back. Come on. We're going to go to of course, y'all might kill me or something. I don't know. But come on, guys. I mean, you got good guys. We got great guys here, but it's harder. I don't know why. I don't know why it is. It's just harder for the men, folks, sometimes to come together. But listen, we got to break that. We need each other, men. We need, we need to pour into one another. We need to rub elbows with each other. We need to learn. Our older men need to be rubbing shoulders with the younger men. And quit putting it off. We got to quit putting it off. We got to do it. Call them. Take them to lunch. Go to lunch. Listen, older men, you have so much wisdom to impart to our younger men that you can help them through their struggles and trials and troubles if you just allow God to use you to do that. God wants to use you to pour into younger men. This, this is what's happening in our world today. Our men are not standing up being men. And the men have to stand up and be men. I hear all the women saying Amen. You know, I love y'all. Yeah, I are one. I'm a guy. I know. Listen, I'm preaching to me. Believe me. We've got to listen to wise counsel. Ladies, you need wise counsel to share your stuff because some of you share stuff with ladies who are just total idiots. Sometimes you share stuff with women, and, she's, and this woman is supporting you. She's saying, that's right. He says, Take his, take his credit card. Go out there and get that pedicure you always wanted. Go out there. Go buy them clothes, baby. Go buy them clothes. You deserve it. Right? That happens sometimes. I hope not here. I hope not here. And you take your men to the cleaners. Spend all their money. Shaking their head, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do it, right? I'm not a woman, so I can't do that as well. Hey, honey, come up, show them how it's done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. I love it. But listen, think about it. Amazing, listen, amazing wise people seek him in the word by wise counsel. 
We need to seek wise counsel. This thing with Jerusalem was ugly, arguing, debating. And listen, and James has a nickname. James, we're going to see, he stands up. James the wise or James the just. Listen, he stands up to provide wise counsel. He's heard all the arguments. He's heard everything that's been said. Now it's time for James, Lord, to stand to his feet and to give what he feels like God is giving him to give. So in verse 13, he says, after they stopped speaking, it says, James responded, Brothers, listen to me. It says, Simeon, which is another name for Simon, which is another name for Peter, he's talking to Peter, has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles the people for his name. Remember Cornelius? We talked about that last week when we talked about Peter. James speaks now that the arguments are over. James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Invite wise counsel. The right cancel. See, you can get the wrong cancel, and it's going to be devastating for you. It's got to be godly counsel. It's got to be the right counsel. If you're advised wrongly, uh, woe was you. This is why when I see, when we, we go seeking for doctor's help for people who are having some mental issues or whatever, listen, I would first send people to Christian counselors because you just don't want anybody to get in your child's mind or anybody else's mind, especially if they're ungodly. You don't want that. You need godly counsel. Dr. James Dobson, the folks in the family, man, he has listings of people all over the place that are certified counselors that can give you in your area where you need to go to get some good godly counseling. And I would recommend that if the counseling is what you need, something to think about. So we must find people who are wise. Don't forget that. Number six, look to the Bible for help. Look to the Bible for help. Look at James, man. He quotes Scripture. He cuts up or he doesn't have an answer. You know what his answer is? The Bible. That's his answer. What truly wise people know about themselves is they don't know everything. Think about that. Wise people, will they come off and say, I don't know everything. I don't. Stupid people, though, tell you that they know everything. Don't they? Isn't that true? Think about that. Wise people know what they don't know. And James turns to the Scriptures because, listen, he doesn't even know. So he goes back and he reflects upon Amos and he reflects upon Isaiah. And then he spews it out here in Acts 15, 15, as Luke writes it. He says, and the words of the prophets agree with this as it is written. After these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild his ruins and set it up again. So the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the who? That's all of us, all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does these things known from long ago. So these are all Old Testament prophecies, and James is reflecting, man, see how important it was for Jesus to open the minds of the disciples when we started studying the book of Acts. And you can see that he opens their minds to all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And then when you hear Peter preach, he preaches and he starts quoting from the Old Testament. And you hear Stephen talking from the Old Testament. Man, they're connecting the dots of the old to the new. So you can see Jesus is the Messiah. He is the real deal. He is the one that you put your faith, hope, and trust in solely, totally, completely. Grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. And he gives it to us to do that. And we need to think about that. The world is saying the wisdom of the scriptures is outdated. A scary world for the last hundred years, culture. Man, there's been changes in education, there's changes in philosophy. 
It's been tearing down these Judeo-Christian values that our country was founded upon, which were built upon what? Judeo-Christian values are God's word. It's the way our country was established, and they try to tell us it wasn't, but it is. It was. The culture never asked the question, what will happen when all this scripture is gone? And we're no longer using it or allowed to use it. But God's word stands forever. God has a way. You know, when I think about this, I think about, because I've always thought about the people over in the Middle East, where you'd have your head cut off if you were, if you were a believer. And we saw this horrifying things on, on TV. Horrifying, horrifying. I'm thinking, how do these people get Jesus as their Savior? You know? But I know God has a way. God's will is perfect. And he reaches the people that he needs to reach. He reaches every one of them. There's not one he doesn't reach. And it's amazing to me. You know? I experienced that in Kuwait. Having my devotional time, standing there. Early in the morning, the sun was coming up over the desert. Off of there in the east, it's just orange as could be, sand everywhere. And I'm at the Kuwait International Airport after it was devastated from the war. And I was by myself. There wasn't a soul out there. I was by myself. It's an early, kind of cool morning because it gets cool at night in the desert. And I'm standing there as the sun is just coming, trying to crest up over the horizon. Beautiful. And I'm contemplating that very thing. Lord, how do you reach these Arabs? How do you reach the Muslim world with Jesus? And about that time, this garbage truck comes out, and I see it come up the tarmac, all the way up to where I'm standing next to a dipsy dumpster, and I'm standing there, and this Kuwaiti international guy's in there driving this thing. He looks at me. Man, his hair's everywhere. He's looking at me, and he's got teeth everywhere. He's, like, waving at me, and he puts his hand up like that. And I'm like, okay, okay, and I'm standing, I'm like, what's going on here, you know? He rolls his window down, he unbuttons his shirt sleeve, he rolls up his shirt sleeve, and he throws his arm over, there's a tattoo of a cross on the inside of his arm. Son, I was about in tears, because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this guy right here, <laughs> he's looking at me knowing I'm an American, and something, the Spirit of God either discerned something because God, I knew I was at, been asking that question. How do you reach these Arabs? How do you reach them? And somebody's reaching them. And sometimes God is speaking to people in dreams, speaking to Muslims in dreams. I've heard, I've read several testimonies of Muslims seeing a vision in their dream of Jesus and people getting saved. God has a way. Out of no way, God always makes a way. He makes a way. So that just thrilled my soul. I'll never forget that look on his face, the joy in his eyes and his smile, and that great, and it was a big, it was no little, it was big. It was like that. It was, it was really pretty big. I mean, if he got caught with that, what would happen? I know what would happen openly. It would be, it would be terrible. It would be terrible. culture never asked the question what will happen if the scripture's gone no wisdom no anything is be a very scary place then lastly and listen you don't want to hear this one here this one here might raise little eyebrows here number seven compromise for the greater good now let me explain that there are things you never ever compromise but sometimes there's compromise needed what do you do when you have jews who say you must be circumcised 
Unfortunately, most people split up and go their separate ways. Compromise for the greater good. There are some things you can never, never compromise. Listen, Scripture, we never compromise, but we must compromise for things to work at times. Here's an example. Fellas, do you ever compromise with your wife? Come on, come on. Do you? Like buying a car, right? Oh, and I'm going to get this car. It's a Corvette. It's yellow. I love it. Let's go. And what's your wife say? Uh-uh, big boy. Uh-uh. You end up getting this nice little family van or whatever, you know. Do you ever compromise? Sure you do. Why? Why, Why do you compromise? To, to, to promote unity, right? Not that it's wrong. It's just you compromise to promote unity. And we're going to see this. We see this here in this scripture right here. Sometimes we have to compromise for the greater good. We must learn to look past our egos, like going out to eat. Where are you going to eat? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. So you say, how about McDonald's? I don't want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> so you compromise, right? So you do, right? You ever do that? I know I've done that a million times, right? Or, or you buy a house. Or you're going to paint the room a certain color. Yeah, man, you compromise. Children's names. You ever compromise on children's names? Rupert. I don't want to name him Rupert. Oh, come on. I love that name. It's a family name. I want to keep his name. No. Right? Listen. Listen to what James says. Listen. Sometimes, sometimes churches become unsuccessful because they draw theological lines. And sometimes that can be a hard one. You know what this is right here we're talking about? This is a theological issue on salvation. There's a truth with compromise. It's right, Pam. James says in verse 19, Therefore, here's James, the wisdom that God has given him. He said, In my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. But instead, we should write them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from the blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day. He is read aloud in the synagogues. So you know what James does here? He ticks off both sides. He's trying to keep peace, keep it all together. No to circumcision, yes to everything else of the law. Compromise to keep unity. Can't compromise certain truths. You can't compromise the Bible being the Word of God, the blood, the resurrection. There are things you never compromise. It's absolute. The Word of God is absolute. Some people, though, are chained to their opinions. Sometimes, if we're not careful, you can be more about your opinion than the people you are in conflict with. And that's sad. Some have said no to friendships and family members for years and years and years, and that's sad. And maybe some of you, you harbor stuff in your heart against family members, and you need to go get it corrected. Some have said no to marriages. Some have put a premium on your opinion than on salvation. There are just some things you can't compromise on. So we talked about conflict. We must expect it. We must deal with it. We must learn to control, listen, our anger, Learn to listen to the other side. Look to the Bible for the true instruction and learn to compromise. Listen, when, when it will bring unity. And I'm not saying compromise the word at all. Listen, listen, listen. What James did here is an amazing thing. 
because he, was, he had a problem. You had pagan Gentiles here, and you had Jewish law followers here. How are they ever going to sit down at the same table? How are they ever going to sit at the same table? you got visions that Peter's getting about food and what's acceptable and what's not. you got things. So here you got Jews that are being educated by the Holy Spirit of God. Here you got pagans over here who have trusted Jesus' Savior, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they're absolutely saved, and they don't need to be circumcised. It was evident. It was obvious. And James is trying. This is why he was James the Just. This is why he was wise. This is why he was... He had, a, he had a rapport with the Jewish followers as well as he had a rapport with those that were believers. And he was able to bring them together, which is a beautiful thing, so that we can dwell together in what? In unity. And I'll tell you that. If you look down, the rest of, the rest of the Scripture in 15 talks about the letter that was drawn up that said the very thing that James just said. You look down at verse 28, and this is where I want to leave it right here. Verse 28 It says, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours to put no greater burden on you than these necessary things. So who's driving the train? The Holy Spirit of God in James, through James, through the circumstances. Does the Holy Spirit ever get it wrong? Never. We must trust the Holy Spirit in us. And it must align with the Word of God if it's truly the Holy Spirit. So take those seven things. Think about those seven things. Think about conflict in your own life. See how you're resolving it. Entertain the Holy Spirit. Don't entertain, but go to the Holy Spirit. Go through the Word of God. Let God speak to your heart, speak to your life. Let Him give clarity and confirmation to you on how to deal with conflicts that you might arise. Be, expect it to happen. And I think when you do that, listen, then you end up, when you expect it to happen, you end up preparing yourself for it. That's why the whole armor of God is so important. Ladies, I'm so stoked that you guys are going through the whole armor of God. You don't want to miss it. Even if you've been through it, you ought to go through it again. Because you know what? You can never hear the God, word of God enough. Listen to the word of God. Men, I'll see you all Saturday morning at 9. Amen. Let's all bow our heads. Let's bow our heads before we go. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you this morning. I know, Lord, this is a, Lord, nothing, nothing is right unless you're in it. Nothing is right unless your word is true. Lord, it's absolutely true and preached. And Lord, when I use the word compromise, I don't use it as a compromise anything that you say, Jesus. Your word is true from cover to cover, beginning to end. Lord, but there are times when we got to entreat the Holy Spirit with the Word of God to know when to move to act. And we don't want to act too hastily in some things. God, give us wisdom to know what to do based on your Word through the presence of your Spirit in our life. Help us, Lord, to deal with conflict straight up. Help us, give us, Lord, if there's conflict in the past, if there are things that need to be mended from the past, God, help us to go to that one that where the mending needs to take place and to work it out. But Lord, conflict will always be whether we're Christian or not. But for the person that isn't a Christian, conflict is real and the conflict will not get better until you come to know Jesus as your Savior. Jesus came to seek and to save you and me. 
He came to earth, lived a perfect life, laid his life down on a cross. He hung between two thieves. One surrendered to him, the other did not. One's in heaven with him, the other is not. But Lord, it took surrendering, yielding to Jesus to be saved. And I pray if there's anyone in the sound of my voice who's never trusted you as Savior, they can't even think of a time, a specific time where they said, the word said, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead for me. If that's you, ask him to come in your heart right now. Say, Jesus, I take you as my Savior this morning. I trust in your death for my sin. I trust your resurrection for my everlasting life. And Lord, I thank you for taking that step on the cross, laying down your life for me. I can trust you with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my life. I give it over to you, Jesus, right this moment, that my life, my mind would be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Lord, that's a one-time deal. It's a done deal. It's an absolute. Lord, come into my heart. Save me right now, this hour. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Help me to turn away from my junk that I live and turn chase with you with all my heart. I ask you Christian brothers and sisters here. I pray that this has been a help for them to make them contemplate and think about the conflicts and how they face these conflicts when they come about. What a great chapter for that. Father, I give you praise and glory for all that you're going to do. Go with us now. Use us for your glory. Watch over us. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.